0: Dealing with anxiety? It could be that you have a spirit problem. Don't worry, we all do to various extents. I'm not saying that spirits are the only source of anxiety, but we've got documentation here of the presence and absence of particular supernatural beings having a major impact on our mental and emotional weather. And weather is actually a good way to describe it. Our spirit, the part of us that is conscious, is constantly moving in and out of auras that affect our thoughts and moods. And those auras are, and I know this is getting weirder and weirder, heavily influenced by what spirits are present around us. This includes anxiety, and sometimes those effects can be very dramatic. So if I heard what you just heard, I'd say it brings up three questions. Wait, we're surrounded by spirits? Why would spirits have a psychological impact on us? What role do spirits play in the phenomenon of anxiety? For the first, I know, I sound like a nutcase calmly asserting it to you, and it was quite a shocking development for Swedenborg, but the principle of our interaction with spirits and the spiritual world is absolutely essential for developing a model of the mind that makes sense of all the seemingly chaotic and at times counterproductive thoughts and feelings that make up our conscious experience, including the onset and persistence of anxiety. So why would spirits have a psychological impact on us? Because our mind is spiritual. Your spirit is the same thing as your mind. It's the conscious part of you that inhabits your body. Your body has a location in the physical world. And whatever conditions are around you, the temperature, whether or not it's raining, even the people around you and what they're doing affects the physical sensations that then reach your consciousness through a connection between the physical and spiritual parts of you. Your spirit has a location in the spiritual world. And because the spiritual world is based around consciousness, consciousness shapes the conditions there. And in that world, there are spirits Think people who used to be like us, but now their bodies have died and they're just spirits. And when they approach, their attitudes, their beliefs, their motives, all aspects of their consciousness either reinforce or clash with our consciousness, changing the spiritual conditions around us that we experience as thoughts and emotions. As for the role spirits play in anxiety, here are some examples of what Swedenborg reported. First, some spirits can directly infuse anxious thoughts. At times, spirits attach themselves to partially digested food and speak about things that are contrary to what we love. We don't hear it, but we pick it up subconsciously and it manifests as distress. Greedy and materialistic spirits pour in anxiety about the future. Anxiety can come from the collision of the spheres of life or auras that emanate from us and all other spirits. And there are spirits that interact with our diaphragm, making us place more importance on issues than we really need to. And when we're going through a spiritual transformation, evil spirits stir up all the negative aspects of ourselves. Okay, so why does it all work this way? If you're looking for background, for the dynamics of the principle of our interaction with spirits, see the angels and evil spirits with us, and how to change your spirit connections. And for an initial look into the model of the mind, see our episode, Where Thoughts Come From. About consciousness shaping the conditions in the afterlife, see, will life be different when you die, For how spirits make us place more importance on issues than we really need to, see our News from Heaven episode, Spirits Make You Feel Guilty About Things That Don't Matter. But what we're really going to focus on here are the first-hand accounts of anxiety-producing spiritual interactions, the contrary speech that distresses us, the collision of auras, and the role of anxiety-causing spirits in our spiritual transformation. Let's go one by one and see if we can't shed a little light on what might be bringing us down. Contrary speech that distresses us. Have you ever had the privilege and the pleasure of having anxious thoughts and feelings? Oh, all the time, every day? <laughs> so what, what are they? They seem to be, if I'm- and I do get anxious, if I'm experiencing anxiety, it seems like I'm just sort of privately reflecting on reality and, and reflecting on what is and probability, so I'm just using this internal mechanism. But there's two problems with applying that framework to anxious thoughts. The first is we usually can't control them. If you want to turn your anxiety off, let's say you feel like you're over-assessing a threat that's not really a threat, or let's say you're trying to go to sleep. I I don't want to be bothered about this. You can't stop it. You can't turn it off. It seems like at times it's running you instead of you running it, and 99% of the time they're false. Go look at the track record of your anxious thoughts and feelings. How many times, maybe maybe it's just me, but how many times has it been like, oh, you, if you go on this trip you're gonna die on it, you're getting sick right now. This, it's so many times they're wrong. Every time they're wrong, but there's no sense of Oh, I don't need to listen to it now because every time it comes in with its suitcase and its suit on and says, Listen, I'm legitimate. You got to trust me. So it doesn't make any sense that this is a useful, self serving private system. Sure, in moderation it can be helpful, but so many people have runaway anxious thoughts and feelings that just seem to be like they're exploiting you or they're sabotaging you. What's up with that? Well, Emanuel Swedenborg, after he had his spiritual eyes opened, found that this whole system of anxiety and depression is actually more like an outside attack on you. That The reason for your anxiety m- might not have that much to do with you. Okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story to, to back this up. To set the scene, back in the good old year of 1751, Swedenborg was feeling anxious about a project that he was working on. Specifically, He was getting – publishing – in the middle of publishing his book, Secrets of Heaven. And now you may think, well, of course Swedenborg wouldn't have any anxiety. He's got, you know, a legacy, where he has an obscure YouTube show talking about him. But he was absolutely venturing into unproven territory here. He had been very successful as a scientist, but now here he is saying, I'm going to tell you about spirits, and I'm going to tell you about God, and heaven, and the the deepest things of the human heart, and how's how's that going to go? And he was having all kinds of anxious thoughts about the process. But because he was aware about what was going on around him spiritually, he looked at his concerns about how his works would be received, whether anyone would like him, anything like that. And look what he wrote. This is from his journal of spiritual experiences. There was a spirit with me who flowed rather forcefully into my thought, Whenever I was treating about matters concerned with providence, so about how things are going to go, such as the concern that I might not receive a response from the printer, because he was out on this trip, and his printer, who was printing Secrets of Heaven, he was asking him how how things are going or something like that. He didn't know if he'd get a response back. Overall, reception hadn't been great to his, his theological works as they started, so he was worrying. And each time, I was driven into anxious thoughts about this matter. So it wasn't really he was worrying. There was this spiritual presence with him, that was driving him into anxious thoughts. There was this artificial outside factor that was creating his anxiety around the project. Before he had these spiritual eyes opened, he never would have he just thought, of course I'm worrying about it. It's a project that's important to me, and we don't know the outcome and what's going to happen. But as he sees the spiritual climate that we're all in, which contributes in a huge way to our daily conscious experience, he sees, oh, you know what it is? what my my observations teach me is this spirit. This spirit is amplifying and exaggerating my anxiety around that. And that was not the only instance that he had of that. Swedenborg talks most at length about anxiety coming in from outside when he talks about what what he calls contrary conversations. So this is from Heaven and Hell, and this is a bit long, but it's worth it. It's page-turning material. I've been enabled to learn where we get the anxiety distress of mind and inward sadness called depression. Okay, I'm listening. I would like to uh, know a little bit more about that, because I'd love to not have to be dealing with it. What is it? is it? Is it related at all to the spiritual world? There are spirits who are not yet united with hell, because they are still in their first state. So these are spirits who have chosen to love harming other people, but have not openly devoted their life to it. And this is people who have died and now are in the afterlife going through this. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Which will be described... but it's weird, but if it le- we don't have a satisfactory explanation for how the mind works, so if it leads us to something that will fix the mind, weird me out. Man, that's fine. Which will be described later when we talk about the world of spirits. They love... yeah, this is going to get even weirder. They love half-digested and noxious substances, like the foods that are becoming excrement in the stomach. So they attach themselves to the same sort of matter in us, because they find delight in it, and they talk with each other there out of their evil affection. Well, I hope you were sitting down before that. Okay, so we've got okay, we'll unpack this in a minute. The emotional emotional tone of their conversation flows into us, and since it is contrary to our affection, it brings about a sadness and an anxious depression. You ever have a thought that disturbs you, but then you forget the thought and you're like, why am I disturbed right now? And you have to like trace your mind back to, oh, that's what was disturbing me. You just feel this distressing uh, impact, even if you're not aware of this spiritual influence. Well, if it agrees with our affection, it brings about a sense of happiness and exhilaration. These spirits can be seen in the neighborhood of the stomach some on the left, some on the right, some lower and some higher, nearer or farther away, variously depending on the affections they are involved in. A great deal of experience has convinced me that they are the source of our anxiety of spirit. I have seen them, heard them, felt the anxieties that well up from them. I have talked with them. They have been driven off, and the anxiety has ceased. They have come back, and the anxiety has returned. I have observed its increase and decrease as they drew near and moved away. So I've run a bevy of tests, on these beings, and here's my conclusions. It has become clear to me, then, where that anxiety originates that is blamed on a stomach ache by people who do not know what conscience is, because they do not have any. So if we were to do an award ceremony for what's the weirdest part of that, ah, would it be that spirits impact our thoughts and feelings? Would it be that you know Swedenborg is running tests on spirits, it, or would it be that spirits relate to certain parts of the body? They're all so good, but the one you really need some context on is what? What is he talking about? Spirits associated with this stomach and food and all that. Let's get a little primer on the concept of the human form and how it relates to the spiritual world.
1: All of heaven is collectively in the form of a human being. It's a composite image and likeness of the Lord, the divine human one. And hell is its exact opposite. So our human physical bodies are a map of the entire spiritual world. Swedenborg writes, and it's confirmed by modern scientific study, that our mind is not just in our brain, but is throughout our whole body. And as asserted by Swedenborg, but debated by modern scientific study, our mind is our spirit but it's this specially designed thing that can be influenced by spiritual things and physical things. And so to connect those two dots together, that means our spirit is throughout our whole body too. How spiritual things influence our mind-body-spirit is by what Swedenborg calls correspondences. He writes, The world has no idea that heaven, the universal human, corresponds in detail with a human being, or that we emerge from and live off this correspondence. So anything more that can be said about it will necessarily seem puzzling and incredible. Puzzling and incredible is putting it lightly. It's on account of this detailed correspondence that when we are influenced by certain communities of spirits, their influence operates or flows into a certain part of our body. That's how you get spirits attaching themselves to undigested food in the stomach. Now, most, if not all of this influence is below our conscious experience. But that doesn't mean it's impossible for us to perceive it. We just have to be open to the spiritual world inwardly and enabled by the Lord to reflect on our incoming sensations and perceive something from them. What does Swedenborg mean by that? Well, for a deep dive into this topic, see our show how spirits are connected to your health. And for how our entering heaven is like being absorbed through heaven's digestive system, see our show how you end up in heaven or hell. But this gives you at least a quick breakdown of it.
0: Do you get that? So, now you have this primer on how you are essentially like the table of contents for the universe. I mean, that all of the way the spiritual world is interfaces with your form, and it gives us this sense of why Swedenborg's talking about spirits relating to certain parts of his body. And I think it's classic Swedenborg, that what we're talking about is something very relevant and very potent and everywhere in people's lives, which is this anxiety that we get. And to explain it, we just have to go way, way, way out there through all this spiritual stuff. But it's coming back to something that really means something to us. So can we use, is this world Swedenborg's describing, the missing piece that allows us to fully understand how consciousness works? And it would certainly tie in to a lot of the stuff we are finding out about how consciousness works. It's not all that off the wall for Swedenborg to be talking about what happens with our gut having an effect on our mood we actually have a bunch of nerve cells lining our gastrointestinal tract, and some people are actually calling that the second brain. And researchers are finding evidence that irritation in the gastrointestinal system may send signals to the central nervous system that trigger mood changes. So if you were going to be getting a spiritual influence in that area, it could affect the way your mind is. Going even further, you still might say, that's just too weird to say there's some foreign entity that is... a ass- on the spiritual level, affecting your mood. But it's just good science to say that on the physical level, there are foreign entities associated with your gut that affect your mood. Gut bacteria produce many other neurotransmitters, such as dopamine, nor- norepinephrine, <laughs> acetylchlorine, oh, I should've thought about how to pronounce these, and GABA, I can do that, which are critical for mood, anxiety, concentration, reward, and motivation. The gut microbiome can cause changes and how our brains react. There are, in fact, foreign biological entities affecting how you feel. And Swedenborg is saying it goes one layer out. Of course, back in the 1700s, people didn't know any of that stuff when he was writing, but I think it slots right in. If you've got the gut affecting moods, the bacteria in the gut affecting moods, you've got some kind of analogous role being played by these spirits that associate with the gut. That everything, there's a physical layer to it, but it's in harmony in correspondence, as we would say, with the spiritual level. There was another kind of anxiety as well that Swedenborg encountered. There were the same kind of anxiety inducing spirits appeared, but in a, what he said, what he called a higher position. And they poured in anxiety that results particularly from concern for the future. So even this species of anxiety had its own spirits. Swedenborg tells them off, like, what are you doing? You guys are, you guys are noxious, chases them away. And as soon as they were gone, the anxiety ceases. This, this happened, he said, so many times that he has no doubt about it. And he goes on further in Secrets of Heaven 5178, I have also been allowed to recognize how those anxious feelings have increased. Or diminished as those spirits have become present or been removed. I've noticed that some anxious feelings exist more internally, others more externally, some higher up, others lower down, depending on the differences in origin, derivation, and directions taken by such kind of worry." So you've got complexity, which I don't know if that's comforting to you or not. I don't know if the spiritual thing is comforting, but what to me is, is this idea of think of all the, the misery that we go through on our little private journey with fear and anxiety and depression and all the rest, thinking that there's actually these forces that are making it worse. That that's not how bad life really is. That all the stuff we worry about is actually it could be all right. It's just that you've got these inner, outer, all these different forces moving in and pushing you into that state. That it could be the forces are the problem, the spirits of the problem it's not that life is not as bad as it seems, and to me, it's weird, but it's good news. The collision of auras we're talking about spiritual stuff that makes us anxious. What are the spiritual factors contributing to your and my anxiety and depression and all the rest? and that's not to say that there's not physical factors. I think that you, you, nutrition, neurotransmitters. All, you know, life events, all of this. When you try to treat something like anxiety or depression, you look at all those factors, because all of them got to be in alignment. So we also got to look at, well, the spiritual factors. What about those? We've had this flow—we want to say, how's your flowing in, right? Swedenborg described this inflow where spirits seem to be injecting anxiety or anxious thoughts, like that one about Swedenborg's book. Okay, but we're also going to have to test you for your aura, your condition of your aura and the neighboring auras. Swedenborg describes auras around spirits that can cause anxiety if they clash. This is from Secrets of Heaven. On one occasion, I experienced an anxious feeling in the pit of my stomach, which told me that spirits of that kind were present. Okay, we can use our our bodies if we get aware of the spiritual world. It's like a little radar. Oh, there's spirits here I can tell because my stomach hurts. I spoke to them, telling them that it would be better if they went away. Hey, excuse me, could you cut your sleeve? Because their sphere, which created the feeling of anxiety. Look at that. Their sphere created this feeling of anxiety. Not because Swedenborg's not measuring up and his parents aren't proud of him. It's because of the sphere. Was it, this, their feeling of anxiety was not compatible with the spheres of the spirits who were residing with me. Oh, so Swedenborg's got his own spiritual company. Somebody comes in with a differing sphere, and it, what's the effect? Swedenborg gets anxious. At that time, and if he hadn't been aware of the spiritual world, he just would have thought, well, what am I anxious about, and focused on some issue. At that time, I talked to them about spheres, so educating the spirits, to the effect that many spiritual spheres surround a person, but that people neither know nor wish to know about the existence of them for the reason that they deny the existence of everything that is called spiritual. Some denying the existence of everything that cannot be actually, be actually seen or touched. It's just woo-woo. Yeah, there's no proof of it. So I went on to say that certain spheres from the spiritual world, surround a person. Spheres that are—yeah, what kind of spheres surround us? Spheres that are in keeping with the life He leads, and that by means of these He exists in the company of spirits whose affection is similar to His own. So we have, you know, spirits with us that are tuned in, that harmonize with what we love, with what we care about right and there's good and bad right just like there's good things and destructive things that each of us love but you've got your spiritual company and if you if the wrong kind of spiritual action interaction comes along you have, you're automatically on edge. Think about it. If you've got a group of friends who are over, and let's say you're all of the same political persuasion, even if you're not talking politics, you just know that you are, and you're just relaxed. It's a very low-key hangout. And let's say there's somebody else that comes in. Maybe they were invited, maybe they weren't. And the second thing they say is politically charged, and you know, okay, even best case scenario, this is going to be a stressful evening. It doesn't mean we can't talk through and try to come to some understanding, but it's not going to be that same kind of relaxed thing. There's going to be a bit of fight-or-flight here. The, this sphere is just different, and that's more dramatic than it even has to be. You know when different people are in, the vibe is different. You'll say some things in front of some people that you won't in front of others. Well, the spiritual community is the same way. You can have your spiritual community, which affects your, your well-being emotionally and mentally, affected by these spheres coming in. So let's hear a little bit more about the Swedenborgian description of these spheres, or auras.
2: To get a sense of what an aura really is, think of the physical phenomenon of an odor. A smell is a physical aura. It originates in some object or being, and it flows outward and affects other beings. Um, A smell can either Attract or repel other beings, and it carries information and it can have an effect on the minds of other animals or people. So, a spiritual aura is just as real. It is a field of thoughts and feelings that goes out from a person and affects other people. It can affect the auras of other people and the minds of other people. It either attracts or repels other people. So, that is what an aura is, originating in a person going outward to have an effect on others.
0: So yeah, spheres or auras are just part of the spiritual world and how it works. Stuff here smells, stuff there auras. And you are part in the spiritual world right now. So you have a sphere coming out of you, the spirits around us have spheres, and the way that spheres interact with each other can have a huge impact on the well-being of the people uh, that are exuding those spheres. So let's look at, as if this isn't bizarre enough, let's look at a f- fairly bizarre example of one kind of component that could make an aura clash. Like what, what could make two auras different from each other? This is from the book Other Planets. Some spirits appeared at a distance but were reluctant to come closer. This was because they could not be in the same place as the spirits from our planet who were with me at the time. I gathered from this that they were from another planet. And later I was told that they were from an extrasolar planet, although I was not told where that planet was. If it's not enough for you that we have spirits in the stomach, let's add alien spirits. But what do we learn from these alien spirits about something that is applicable to everyone everywhere? These spirits absolutely refuse to think about so these alien spirits, their bodies refused to think about their bodies, or even about anything physical or material, unlike spirits from our planet. We are materialistic here on planet Earth. That was why they did not want to come any closer. All the same, when some of the spirits from our planet left, they did come closer and talk with me. But even then I could feel an anxiety occasioned by the collision of auras. So even though it was muted, it was still there, and the collision was because these You have materialistic mindset and an an aversion to a materialistic mindset. There are spiritual auras around every individual spirit and also around communities of spirits. And since these auras radiate from the life of their feelings and associated thoughts, wherever there are contrary feelings, there is a collision and therefore anxiety. It's almost like gravity. So you might say, not everything smells, but everything gravities, and that affects whatever else you're in the neighborhood with. So here you see this clash of auras because of a difference in the way the two groups thought about life. And that was what led to this collision. It's all pretty strange, but hopefully, again, a little bit liberating to think there are factors leading to this. The the thing that makes anxiety the most sticky and the most devastating is when you think, it's just me seeing the truth. Like, the reason why I'm worried is I'm really in danger. The reason why I feel terrible about myself is because I really am a terrible person. It could be that that's true on occasion, but I'd say 99.3149% of the time, we're not in the kind of danger our mind is convincing us of, and we're actually much better, more worthwhile people than our mind is trying to convince us of. So it's cool to think that, because it's always, without that, it's just like, but it's gotta be that this is the truth about life because it's I feel it here in me. But this idea that sometimes it's actually just, spiritual interference that's causing that, to me, that can be really liberating. But if that's not enough for you, let's look at how this anxiety can be really meaningful in our spiritual development as well. The role of anxiety-causing spirits in our spiritual transformation. I'm hoping that it's coming to you all as sort of a relief that anxiety isn't a reflection of something being wrong with us were us properly assessing a threat, that there really is this spiritual interference. Just like when somebody acts terribly towards you, don't people often say, it's not about you, something's wrong with their life, and even though it hurts, it changes the kind of feeling that it is. It's not as bad as if you thought, well, what's wrong with me? Why would they say that to me? So it is with the passing spiritual phenomena. But it could be that you're feeling a little bit let down by the idea that well, is our anxiety just relatively meaningless? If it's just this passing spiritual interference, all that struggle we go through, uh, does that really, we can get rid of the interference, maybe that we can get freed from it, but it didn't really contribute to anything lasting for us beyond just diffusing the immediate problem. But there actually is a very meaningful kind of anxiety that Swedenborg describes, one that you have to have to grow spiritually. It's, a, it's like good, good cholesterol, bad cholesterol, good anxiety, bad anxiety. And there's a vital role for this anxiety in our spiritual growth. So this is from Swedenborg's book, New Jerusalem. Only people who are being regenerated experience spiritual crises. Regenerated being spiritual growth, spiritual rebirth. Because spiritual crises are times of mental anguish for people whose lives are devoted to goodness and truth. These crises are brought about by Again, evil spirits. When they stir up the evils in us, an anxiety wells up inside that is a symptom of our spiritual crisis. So you've got evil stuff. We all have some evil and some good in us, right? There's this evil in us. Evil spirits, because like attracts like in the spiritual world, they're able to whip up our negative stuff. We're not aware, however, of where the anxiety is coming from, because we do not realize that a spiritual crisis is its source. There are evil spirits and good spirits with each of us. The evil spirits are in our evil tendencies, and the good spirits are in our good tendencies. Like before, we were talking about spirits associated with the stomach. These are spirits associated with our quality of mind. When the evil spirits come closer, they stir up our evil tendencies, and the good spirits respond by stirring up our good ones. This leads to a collision and a battle that causes the inner anxiety that is a crisis of the spirit. And this is actually something that can be really important for our spiritual growth.
3: I went to visit a friend out of town who was going through a hard time. And while I was there, she spiraled down into a real mental health crisis. She had not established a great support system in her new location. And I was not in my hometown and couldn't work my connections, felt sort of lost. I felt responsible for managing the situation and for taking care of her, but I was not equipped to do so. I knew nothing about her condition, and I felt a sense of panic and out of control and it just swallowed up in anxiety. I had a psychologist friend who told me, don't catastrophize it, but it felt like a catastrophe to me. The hells were telling me definitely it was the end of the world. And even though I was trying to trust in some kind of heavenly plan, I was mad at the Lord that my friend had to go through this. I felt really powerless, hopeless, and even though people were helpful, I felt very alone. And all I could do was just minute to minute try to let go because there was no other choice. In a week or two, she was back on her feet and six months later, she was in a much better place. Through the crisis, she had established a great support system and found the help she needed and really grown emotionally and spiritually. And for me, it was a real lesson in learning to trust, to trust in the Lord's providential care over our lives. There's one God and I'm not it. So it was good lesson in practicing number one of the Ten Commandments. It helped me let go of the need to control in other areas of my life and helped me with boundaries, like where do I stop and other people begin? So in the end, it was a real experience, a lived experience of how crisis can lead to spiritual development and ultimately a much greater sense of peace.
0: And just look at, look at your own life. When, when, we're, when we are going through stuff, It can be hard to see it as anything constructive, but if I look back on a lot of the stuff I've been through, I can see, oh, this – that kind of breaking down was essential. I mean, I can see – well, I can see what it led me to. I can see how I'm a deeper, kinder, more empathetic, wiser-ish person now because of it. And Swedenborg says we can only be reformed and regenerated through spiritual crises. So they're coming in the anxiety that's with them is something that we've got to engage with, but you can look at it that as a good kind of discomfort, similar to you're exercising, your body is detoxing. This is the no pain, no gain. It's not that you can't just say, Oh, I'm having anxiety, that means that I'm doing something good. No, I mean, you try to get out of it. You try to, we're trying to give you tools in this episode to allow you to free yourself from unnecessary anxiety, but there's going to be some of it that we've got to go through. So, just saying. It can contribute meaningful in a meaningful way as well. To why? Why go through this anxiety? What's it all for in the first place? This is from New Jerusalem again. What is at stake in crises of the Spirit is either the dominance of goodness over evil, or the dominance of evil over goodness. Remember, we've got these two things stirred up. And it's time for us to choose. And this—it's a tough—it's it's a tough reordering. It's a little bit of chaos. The evil that wants to take control is in our earthly or outer self, and the goodness is in our spiritual or inner self. If evil wins, the earthly self controls us. If goodness wins, the spiritual self controls us. And by the way, that—the evil earthly or the good spiritual—it's the evil that's associated with us and the earthly false concepts in our mind, that is the environment in which anxiety can live. And these evil spirits, these negative spirits, have an interest in keeping you in this falsity and evil, because that's when they can continue to pump you full of anxiety, right? That is what heaven, through the goodness and truth, is trying to bring the spiritual mind, is trying to get you into a state where you don't have this anxiety. We're going to talk more about that, and getting the spiritual self to control us, and how that can free us from a lot of unnecessary anxiety. In our next show, the practical but weird way to deal with anxiety. So be sure to check that out for some tools on how we can hopefully, yeah, be be get ourselves a little bit liberated from uh, this 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 prison of anxiety we've been living in. So back to gut health for a minute, and I know we only just barely touched on this, but just. Think about how much our knowledge of that extra dimension to the causes of anxiety changes how we approach dealing with anxiety. The more we know about the body, the more effectively we can try to treat this stuff. I think we can get the same lift from knowing about the spiritual aspects of the causes of anxiety. And there's a liberation in the knowledge of spirits that's not even in the gut bacteria. Because the gut bacteria can't explain why there's such calculated, intelligent, critical thoughts about ourselves coming in all the time. Spirits can have negative motives. Spirits are people. So just like you know, people can manipulate you through through media or through how they treat you, right? Spirits can have negative motives and just be bullying us, and that gives us empowerment to push back on anxiety just as we would with some kind of bully with an outside agenda, which is not something we can really get the leverage to do when we're just believing that these are, this is just my own true anxiety from my mind causing me to feel this way, right? The spiritual side, this anxiety is either a passing weather system or it's part of a good process. So either way, providence is with me, and you can know you can be liberated to push that stuff away, and, and hopefully take a little bit of peace in the idea that, yeah, either this is something I don't need to worry about, or it's something that's bringing me somewhere good. So in the end, life is better than it seems. So just think about, it could just be this passing spiritual weather system. And what do we do for physical weather systems? Bundle up if you need to, wait it out, and the sun is going to come up.
1: Off the Left Eye is Curtis Childs, director, producer, and host. Karin Childs, writer, community manager, and host. Chelsea Odner, writer, production manager, and host. And Jonathan Rose, host and series editor of the NCE. Shada Sullivan is the voice you love in our narrations. Stuart Farmer is our technical director. Matthew Childs, our video art director. Our motion designers are Meng Jong and Jesse Johnson. Reed McArdle made our music. Devin Osblond is our production intern. Cara Daum is our Latin consultant extraordinaire, and Chris Dunn is our digital marketing magician. And you are our much-loved listener. And now you can journey with us all week. Every Monday's Swedenborg & Life episode, including this one, has a week's worth of content lined up to support you in your exploration of these life-changing ideas. All video content premieres at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time on the Off the Left Eye YouTube, Facebook, and Simplecast channels. On Tuesdays, find us on social media or go to offthelefteye.com to get custom downloadable art paired with the week's topic to ground you through the week. On Wednesdays, join us to dig a little deeper into the week's topic with news from heaven. On Thursdays, we want to hear from you. We'll be sharing a new reflection question weekly on our community tab and social media channels. Then join us for Swedenborg Live on Fridays for our panel Q&A show. And listen every Sunday to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to always know what we're up to and what you can look forward to. If you want to help sustain Off the Left Eye's operations, consider becoming a monthly donor today. And right now, we have a matching gift challenge from a very generous donor couple where dollar for dollar up to $10,000 will be matched when you make a new or increased monthly donation. You can provide a direct gift or restrict it to our new Off the Left Eye endowment fund giving to the endowment fund is a great way to guarantee that your gifts live on to help Off the Left Eye forever. Go to otle.cosvox.com to become part of our essential community of donors. From all of us here at Off the Left Eye, we thank you.